Bible, go ahead and open it up to Joshua chapter 3. Joshua chapter 3, we'll, we'll get there in just a few moments. Uh, but as you're turning there, let me, let me ask you a question and, and sort of set up a scenario for you. Um, how many of you have ever been stuck? Like, I mean, like physically stuck, like maybe stuck in mud, stuck in a crack somewhere, like, you know, maybe when you're a little kid, you fell between, you know, the bed and the wall, you, they, that, that happened, am I the only one traumatized by that, uh, so, like, uh, I mean, like, you just been stuck, I remember one time my, my son, uh, when he was like a baby baby, got stuck, like, in the rails of, like, the, the crib, I don't know if you've ever had that happen, that was interesting, so, uh, but, like, just stuck, you know, so, uh, I think we've all been, we've all been physically stuck at some point, um, I was reading, I was just looking up some stuff as I was preparing for this week, and uh, I thought I'd look up a couple of, like, you know, funny stories of, of people being stuck, and I found some really funny ones. Uh, I saw this guy, and you, you've seen this happen, like, a lot of different times, but this one was really, really funny because I thought, who of us would probably not try that in a desperate situation? And so this guy in Arizona had actually gotten stuck in his chimney. Like, we've all heard of that happening before, right? Guy gets stuck in the chimney. It's usually like somebody trying to rob your house or something like that, you know, coming down the chimney kind of thing, that kind of deal. Well, this guy got stuck in, in the chimney, and the reason why he got stuck in the chimney was because he had locked himself out of his house, and he thought, hey, I'll just go through the chimney and get in. No big deal, right? <laughs> so he ended up getting stuck uh, in his chimney because he had locked himself out of his house, and I, I thought that was pretty funny. There was another guy in, uh, I think it was in it's it Pins- Pittsburgh, maybe, maybe Pennsylvania, uh, somewhere, somewhere in there, but I think it was in Pittsburgh. Anyway, um, so uh, he, he got stuck between two buildings because he was on a first date with this girl, and uh, he decided, hey, let's go up on this rooftop for like this romantic dinner, right? And so he takes her up there for this candlelight romantic dinner on top of this roof, you know, and there's these two buildings that are kind of close together, and he's, he's thinking to himself, you know, it'd be really good, like there'll be a second date if I can prove to this girl that I can jump from this building to that building, Right? He didn't make it, and so he got stuck. He got stuck between the two buildings, and they literally had to. They uh, show this picture. They literally had to go through the walls of these buildings on the bottom part of it to get to this guy, like through a firehouse, uh, like firehouse uh, restaurant type deal, right? And to get between the uh, the walls uh, to get this guy. I thought that was. I thought that was pretty pretty funny. But the best one. The best one was this guy in England who decided that, uh, and I don't really know exactly how this happened, I, I missed the first part of this, but I just thought it was really funny. And then this just kind of shows where, where we are today in our culture with social media and all of these things. So this guy gets stuck in his bathroom, okay? Teenager, gets stuck in his, bath, in, in his bathroom, locked in like he can't get out, like he's trying, trying the door and everything like that. But here's the funny thing, like here's what makes this thing even more funny, is instead of calling somebody for help, he Snapchats the whole thing for like four hours. <laughs> and what's even more funny than that is that everybody watching his snaps, nobody comes to his house to let him out. <laughs> Like, oh, this is hilarious. We're just going to see how long this guy goes, right? Like, we're just going to we're just going to watch this thing. Oh man, kind of kind of funny. So, like, we've all been we've all been stuck before, you know, physically stuck. But how many of you have felt? You don't have to raise your hand for this, but because I know it's we've all been there. But how many of us have really felt stuck in life before? Like, we just felt stuck, like stuck in a job, stuck in a relationship, 
stuck in a career, stuck in, you know, a bad situation, stuck, I mean, just stuck, maybe even, maybe even stuck spiritually, like, like, you just feel like, you know, when you're stuck, you just feel like you can't move, you can't go anywhere, you can't try anything, it's like everything that you try, everything that you do, nothing seems to work, nothing seems to happen, like, you just feel like you're just going to be in the exact same place forever, there is no hope of getting out of any of it. Well, today, today we're going to be looking at what it takes to break through, what it takes to, to get unstuck, what it takes to, to break through and, and, and get to uh, cross over this, this threshold of, of being stuck and, and maybe step into a miracle, maybe step into a, a new place, maybe step into something fresh, maybe step into a, a, a new way of, of living and being spiritually. We're going to look at really the anatomy of a spiritual breakthrough today as we look at Joshua chapter 3. And I believe that today that today can be a breakthrough moment for us. Uh, so we're going to unpack this together. We started this series last week, this series called Wanderers. And so let me catch you up a little bit on the story of Joshua and the people of Israel and where they're at at this point. So in, in uh, Joshua chapter 1, right before this, Moses dies. He had led the people of Israel out of Egypt. He hands over the reins to Joshua right before he dies. And so Joshua is the man. Joshua is the guy that's going to bring this nation into this land that had been promised to them by God literally hundreds of years before this, way back to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and so on and so forth and now uh, to Moses and then Joshua is the one who actually gets to take them into this place that God had set aside for them this place that God said hey this land will be yours I've already given it to you and so in Joshua chapter 1 God has a conversation with Joshua uh, for the first time in in this way that that is recorded this way and God tells Joshua he says Joshua be strong and courageous Like, don't fear what's ahead, because I've already given you everything that the sole of your feet will touch. And so last week, what we did, as we looked at Joshua chapter 1 last week, is is we talked about how they stood on the edge of the promised land, and then the courage that it would take for them to move forward in the face of of this crippling fear. And so that's really Joshua chapter 1. And then in Joshua chapter 2, you see this story about this woman named Rahab. And Rahab uh, is, is in uh, the next city that they will come to as they go into the promised land. And so Joshua sends some spies out there. And, and uh, Rahab and, and these spies sort of cross paths with one another. And so Rahab takes these spies and she hides them from the, the people, the, the soldiers of the city, so that they're not caught and all that stuff. And there's this conversation that happens between them. And that will be important a little later on. We'll pick that up in a couple of weeks uh, in this series. And so the spies come back. They get Joshua the report and so now the people of Israel are literally standing they've not walked into the promised land just yet they're literally standing on the edge of the Jordan River that's the river that separates them and the promised land they're literally standing on the edge of that about to step into the promised land and this is where we're going to pick it up in Joshua chapter 3 starting in verse 1 so let's look at this together it'll be on the screen back here behind me as well check this out Verse 1, chapter 3, says this. Then Joshua rose early in the morning, and they set out from Shittim. Shittim, 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 you know, whatever. Don't laugh. It's in there, okay? So um, if you lived in that place, you'd want to get out of there too. Anyway, so uh, they set out. Okay, I'm 12, sorry. It's it's in the Bible, y'all. 
says, And they came to the Jordan, he and all the people of Israel, and lodged there before they passed over. At the end of three days, the officers went through the camp and commanded the people, As soon as you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, your God, being carried by the Levitical priest, then you shall set out from your place and follow it. There, or yet, there shall be a distance between you and it, about 2,000 cubits in length. That would be about a half a mile in length. Do not come near it, in order that you may know the way you shall go, for you have not passed this way before. So, uh, verse 5. It says, Then Joshua said to the people, Consecrate yourselves. That word consecrate means prepare yourselves, get ready. Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. If you circle and highlight things, you should highlight that phrase, wonders among you. That's going to be really important. Verse 6. And Joshua said to the priest, Take up the Ark of the Covenant and pass on before the people. So they took up the Ark of the Covenant and they went before the people. And so at this point, the, the nation of Israel, they are coming out of the wilderness. They are coming out of the desert. and They are getting ready to step foot into this promised land. And before this, um, right before this moment, there, you know, the, the wilderness, the desert, was this really long 40-year period where they were stuck. I mean, they were literally just stuck. They, they literally walked in a circle for about 40 years in this desert land. And so if you've ever heard somebody say, oh, man, well, you're just, you're just kind of stuck in the wilderness right now. You're out in the wilderness. That's what they're referring to. That's what they're saying is they're saying that, that you're, you're kind of stuck. You're kind of lost. You're kind of just walking around in a circle out there, and you don't really know where you're going or what you're doing. And literally an entire generation of people did this with Moses and they had all died. An entire generation of people had died before we get to this point. That's how long they were stuck. That's how long they were doing just the same thing over and over and over again, walking around in this wilderness. And now they are standing on the edge of this Jordan River. They are standing on the edge of the promised land. And they're getting ready to cross over. But to cross over, to get into the promised land, there's going to be this moment of them having to exercise an action, exercise some some faith, this moment of stepping out and stepping over, crossing this, this threshold moment. But once they began to do that, there will be this breakthrough that takes place. And that's what we're going to look at right here in these first couple of verses of Joshua chapter 3. And so I want to give you three things real quick, three things that show just the anatomy of a breakthrough. Regardless of what kind of breakthrough that you're looking for, I think these three things are going to be, uh, are going to be uh, evident in, in, in this breakthrough that you may be looking for, hoping for, praying for, or just hoping that, that falls into your lap at some point. So look at this. Uh, we're going to unpack this. Number one is this. The anatomy of, of a breakthrough starts with being desperate for his presence. And by his presence, I mean the presence of God. The anatomy of a, of a breakthrough starts by being desperate for his presence. You know, that again, they had been stuck in this wilderness. They'd been stuck in that desert for 40 years. And so they'd been in this 40-year struggle. 
How many of you feel like you've been in like a 40-year struggle? And it may only be two weeks. Like, I mean, you just, you just feel like you're just stuck there. You've just been there. And it may, be, it, may be, it may have started yesterday. It may have started 40 years ago. But you just feel stuck. I mean, could you imagine... Could you imagine, I mean, literally the size of the wilderness, the place that they ended up walking around in a circle of was about the size of like Clinton. Could you imagine walking around Clinton for like 40 years, right? You can only go to Burger King so many times. I'm just saying, you know. And so like, like I mean, that's, that's basically what they did. And they were stuck. And God tells them. God says this to him. He says, you know, since you did 40 years of your way, like you, 40 years, you just kind of did it your way. You just kind of did what you wanted to do. You just kind of tried to operate things in the way that you wanted to do it. But since you did 40 years of doing it your way, how about you try one day of my way? How about we do it a different way? How about we do something different here? And he says, I'll lead you there. That's what he says in Joshua chapter 1. And so if you're tired of doing it your way and you're getting nowhere, maybe, maybe that's what you need to do as well. Maybe you need to try something different. And so in this, in chapter 3, it says that they, they sent the Ark of the Covenant. They sent, they sent it out with the priest, and they sent it out about a half mile ahead of everybody else. And so from the place that they were, it says... The priests are going to take this ark, and they're going to go out, and they're going to be about 2,000 cubits out, meaning about a half mile ahead. And so they're going to, they're going to lead the way, but we're going to put, God says, I'm going to put them a half mile ahead. And the point of that was that so that everyone would see it. Now, the, th- the significant thing about the Ark of the Covenant was is that this was one of those things that really just represented the presence of God. It's like wherever the Ark of the Covenant was, people knew that the presence of God was as well. Now, now we know and we understand that, that God is omnipotent. He is everywhere. He is in everything. And so he is everywhere. But the Ark of the Covenant, when people saw the Ark, they had, there was no mistake that the presence of God is right here in a powerful way. And so God said, I'm going to lead this thing. I'm going to go out ahead of this. I'm going to get so far ahead, not, but not too far ahead, that you're going to be able to follow closely behind, and you're going to be able to see the way that I lead. And so it's significant that it's a half mile ahead so that everyone could see it. It's God saying, if you want to take a different route, put me out in front and let me be what you're focusing on. Let me be what you're focusing on. And so God instructed them to, to not get ahead of, him, uh, ahead of him, but instead to follow him, to chase him, because he would be the one that would go first. And so you and I, for this anatomy and this breakdown of what a breakthrough looks like, we have to let God lead us and understand this, not us lead God. It doesn't work that way. We have to let God lead us. Now, all too often, we spend so much of our time saying, all right, God, I'm going to make my plans, and I'm going to see how I can fit you into them. And God, yeah, I think God chuckles at that. He's like, <laughs> I think that's how he laughs. That's what it sounds like in my head. But I think he chuckles at that. I think he laughs when we go, okay, so here's what I'm going to do, Right? Uh, my kids are very good at, about this on a Saturday. Your kids good at, good at this on a Saturday? They come wake you up, they come get you up, and I'm like, my, my son will sit me down. He's very political. I worry about him. And he, but he sits, sits me down, and he goes, all right, so here's, here's what we're going to do today, Dad. 
And so he tells me, right? And then I just laugh. I mean, because that's how that goes, right? It's like, yeah, that's, that's funny. Yeah, we're, we're going to do all of that today, right? Yeah, we're going to really do all that, except yesterday we actually did it. But anyway, so, but too often, too often that's what we do is we say, okay, God, so here's what I'm going to do. Here's how I'm going to do this thing. Here's how we're going to get this done. And then I'm going to see how I can work you into the equation here. I'm going to see how I can get you into this. And, but God says, no, 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 no. You guys did that for 40 years and it didn't work. I'm going to go first. And you're going to follow me. And we're going to get this thing done. Imagine how hard it would have been for Israel at this point to have patience and wait. (laughs) 40 years, right? 40 years. Some of these kids who are growing into adults at this point, their parents are no longer with them because their parents started out in the wilderness and and they're gone. They don't even get to get into the promised land because, because they didn't make it. And so for 40 years, they walked around in this circle. 40 years, they ate manna from heaven, and every now and then, they got a little bit of quail, and, and all of this struggle. And the Ark of the Covenant is a half mile out, and God says, no, 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 I don't want you to get ahead. I know that you want to run. I know that you want to go over there, and I, I know you want to go ahead and, and get into the promised land, but let me lead the way. God tells them to wait. He tells them to wait. You see, when we get out in front of God, we usually make a mess of things, don't we? I think when we, when we try to get ahead of what God is doing, we try to work God into our schedule versus being on his schedule, we end up making a mess of things. So let me ask you this question. What would need to change for you to go after his presence like that? What would need to change for you to be able to, to stop for a second and pull back the reins for a minute and say, okay, God, I've tried this. I've tried this my way for so long. I think we need to try it your way. I think I need to, to rush after your presence instead of telling you, hey, God, catch up to where I'm going. Catch up to what I'm doing. Get on my page. Get on my plan. What would it take for that to happen? Well, I think... I think for every single one of us, and we talked about this last week, but for every single one of us, like chasing after him, being desperate for his presence in that way, we have to shape that around, around the word of God, meaning the Bible, the, the scripture. You see, because if you want to know about God, you have to read God. These are his words. These are his words given to men, written in the scripture for us and to us. Last week in, in Joshua chapter 1, verse 7, God tells this to Joshua. He says, Only be strong and very create, courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. Notice that he says, If you want to have success, keep my word with you. Do it. It's like... Shia LeBeau just screaming at you. Do it over and over and over again. Thank you for the one of you that got that. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is in it, written in it. For then, listen, it says for then, for then meaning that if you do this, if you will go this direction, you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success 
And so it starts around the Word of God. And so what, His presence is there. Like we, we get filled up with His presence by starting there. And so I'd encourage you, like if you're not starting your day here, find a way to do that. Golly, it's so easy to start there right now. We have everything at our fingertips. You have a Bible in your pocket, right? It's right here. You just download a Bible app like Version. I, I use that all the time. You can get a devotional in there. You can set a reminder for it. Like if you're bad about that kind of thing, it can remind you at 6 a.m. or 7 a.m. or 8 p.m., whenever it is that you, you know, start there. I, I suggest to start in the morning. But maybe you're you know, on a different schedule. You start later at night. That's okay. But start somewhere, right? And so you can set yourself a, a reminder in that. You've got a Bible in your pocket. Maybe you want the, the physical Bible. If you need one of those, we've got them right outside the door here. Go grab one on the way out. We'll give it to you. It's yours to keep. If you want a really nice one, we've got a bunch that people left here that don't need anymore. You just scratch out the name on it. It's really cool. You know, you just, we'll give it to you. They're leather. They're nice. They're probably expensive. So, you know, you can have it. But start somewhere. You've got to start somewhere. And it's st- being desperate after his presence, going after his presence, starts by starting our day off with his presence, by being in his word. We've got to start there. We've got to start there. Number two is this, the anatomy of a, of a breakthrough. Number one is we have to be desperate for his presence. Number two is we need, to, we need to step out. We have to step out. We have to be ready to step out. Look at these verses in chapter 3, starting <clears throat> in verse 7 where we left off. It's the rest of the story here. It says, The Lord said to Joshua, Today I will begin to exalt you in the sight of all Israel, that they may know that as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. And as for you, command the priests who bear the Ark of the Covenant. Remember, they were the ones that were about a half mile out. He says, command them. He says, when you come to the brink of the waters of the Jordan, that's that river that separates them and the Promised Land, you shall stand still in the Jordan. That means in the river. And Joshua said to the people of Israel, Come here and listen to the words of the Lord your God. And Joshua said, Here is how you shall know that the living God is among you and that he will without fail drive out from before you the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites, the Perizzites, all the other parasites and the Amorites. And the, uh, yeah, so you get it. Uh, behold, verse 11, Behold, the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth is passing over before into the Jordan. Listen to this, verse 12. Now therefore, take twelve men from the tribes of Israel, from each tribe a man. And when the soles of the feet, remember that phrase? When the soles of the feet of the priest bearing the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth shall rest in the waters of the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan shall be cut off from flowing, and the waters coming down from above shall stand in one heap. Verse 14. And when the people set out from their tents to pass over the Jordan with the priest, bearing the Ark of the Covenant before the people. And as soon as those bearing the Ark had come as far as the Jordan, and the feet of the priest bearing the Ark were dipped into the brink of the water, meaning as soon as they had stepped foot into the water, very important detail here. It says, now the Jordan overflows all its banks throughout the time of harvest, meaning that the river was wider, faster, and deeper than it had been before. It's at flood stage. In other words, it's dangerous. Verse 16. 
says, the waters coming down from above stood and rose up in a heap very far away at Adam and the city that is beside Zetharan. And those flowing down toward the sea of Arabah, the salt sea, were completely cut off and the people passed over opposite of Jericho. And so the anatomy of a breakthrough, number two, is we need to step out. And so this river, it was at flood stage. It was at flood stage. So again, it was wider, it was faster, it was deeper. Normally, uh, the Jordan would have been slow flowing. It wouldn't have been very wide, and it definitely would not have been very deep, maybe about 10 feet or so deep. Well, at this point, everything is doubled and tripled and moving much, much quicker. And God tells them, he says, all right, so here's the deal. When you start to stand in the water, not when you get to the edge at the bank, not where you're still on dry ground, but when you step out into the water, then I will push the water back. You see, God doesn't waste a moment. God doesn't waste a moment. The bigger the obstacle, the greater the miracle, and the bigger God gets to show himself to be. You see, it seems to be counterintuitive to walk into a flooded river before the water is pushed back, doesn't it? It's like, oh, okay, so let me get this right, God. You, you actually want us to stand in the water before you push it back. How about you push it back before we get to the water? How about that? How about we do it that way? And God's like, no, 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 no. Remember, I said, let me do this my way. You tried this your way. Let's do it my way. I'm going to need you to step out so I can show you how I step in. I'm going to need you to take a step of faith. I'm going to need you to show me that you trust me. I'm going to need you to, to show me a little action here. I'm, I'm going to need you to step out here so that I get to step in and show you what I can do. God says, you step out and watch me step in. You see, this was all about their obedience. It was all about their obedience. Stepping out before you know the outcome is all about obedience, but it's obedience that is rooted in faith. Like, you need faith to be able to take that step of obedience, right? Because God said, here's what I want you to do, and then you see the problem, you see the issue, you see the danger, and so you have to have the faith to step out and do what God asked you to do. And so it's obedience that is rooted in faith faith. See, last week we said this. We said that us stepping out, that's our job. But the outcome of what happens next, that's God's job. The stepping out part is our job, but the outcome is God's job. Obedience, it is simply, it is listening to what God says and then doing it. That's what obedience is. And this is obedience that is rooted in faith. So where do you need to step out? Where do you need to step out? Like what area of your life do you need to take a, a, a step of faith that is rooted in obedience? Meaning that, that you know God has said do this. You know that God has spoken about this. Whether he has spoken it to you literally and directly does not matter. If he has said it in this scripture and your eyes have crossed over it or your ears have heard it, guess what? He's talking to you. That means you. That means me. And so where do you need to step out? What area of your life is there a place where you have to have obedience that is rooted in faith to take a step out so that you can watch God step in, push the waters back, and do something miraculous? Again, this is the anatomy of a breakthrough. You see, before the miracle always comes these 
OC moments of faith. OC stands for oh crap. You know what I'm talking about? You need, o, you need OC faith sometimes. Like, oh my, this is scary. The Jordan is overflowing, and God just told me to go take a swim before he's going to push the water back. We have to step out so that God can step in. So what is the next step that you know that you need to take? The place where you need to step out. <clears throat> can we just do this for, for just a moment? Um, so not that we, I got one more thing to say right after this. So this is not the end of the message just yet. Uh, I got another 45 minutes. But um, I'm just kidding. Let me, let me do this. If you know like there's a place, and you don't have to say what it is, it doesn't matter what it is, but you know that there's a place in your life right now where you're like, you know what, I need a breakthrough here, and I know that there's, I, I need to step out, and I, 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 there's a place where I need to be obedient, there's a place where I need to take a step of faith. If you know that there's a place like that in your life, can we just do this real quick? Can you just throw up your hand and say, yeah, I got, I got one of those places. I see, all right, yeah, it's a lot of us. All right, let me do this. You can put your hand down. Let me just pray right now. I'm pray for you. Let's pray. Father, we just, uh, God... Father, we have admitted to you, God, what you already know about us, that there is places in our lives, God, where we need a breakthrough, we need, we need you to step in. God, but before you step in, we know that there may be these moments of being obedient to you and, and taking these steps of faith that is rooted in your obedience, God, or uh, God, stepping out so that you can step in. God, would you give us the courage to do that? God, for every person that had the courage enough to at least raise their hands, God, God, would you just fill them with your spirit just right now, right where they sit, right where they are, God, that, 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 God, that you just shape and change their mind, God, and, and, and fill their heart with this unbelievable amount of, of faith, God, to be able to take their next step, to be able to step out. And God, if they're confused as to, as to where to start or what to do next, God, that you make that just abundantly clear, God, in the next few moments, in the next few days. Um, God, that you just give them uh, the vision to see what that step is. We, we trust you with this. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Last one, number, number three. Number three, the anatomy of a breakthrough. And by the way, let me say this, uh, a little disclaimer here. Obedience. Obedience is always measured by obedience. Think about that for a second. Obedience is always measured by obedience. How do you know that you're being obedient? That's the question. You know that you're being obedient when you follow God regardless of the outcome. You see, the the people of, of Israel, they heard what God said. They said, you step into the water and I'll push it back. They heard what he said. They hadn't seen him do it yet. And so you you can imagine them walking into the water, right, and thinking to themselves, all right, we're in the water. Like, it's time to push it back now. And I'm going to have to take another step. But remember what God said. God said, as soon as the sole of your feet touches the water, like he just needed, needed them to take one step, just one step, not ten not get to their chin level, not get over their head. He said, I just need you to take one step, and I need you to trust me with that one step. I think that's a big deal. 
Too often we measure obedience if things are going well. The point is to walk with God, not that things are going to be better. That's the point of obedience. Number three, last one. We have to go or step out expecting a miracle. We have to expect a miracle. On my wall in my uh, office here at the church, I have a, a phrase written on my, uh, on my whiteboard, and it says, eat. And people come in there and they're like, are you just hungry all the time? Like, you just reminding yourself to eat? Come on, man. Um, but what, what that stands for, eat, it, it's a, just an acronym. It says, uh, expect amazing things. You have to eat. You have to eat. Like, you have to expect amazing things. And it's just a reminder to me that every single day, not just on Sunday, but every single day, that I expect God to do amazing things because that's what God does. does it, doesn't it? Isn't that what he does? He does amazing things. He is the creator of amazing things. And so I expect him to do amazing things. Listen to, go back in uh, verse 5 here. It says this. Joshua said to the people, consecrate yourselves, get ready, prepare yourselves, be expectant. That's what he's saying. For tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. Tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. He's saying expect amazing things. Like tomorrow amazing things are going to happen. And so we have, to, we have to prepare for a breakthrough. You and I, we have to prepare for a breakthrough. Here's the thing. We can't, we can't plan a breakthrough. You can't plan the breakthrough. But you can prepare for it, can't you? You can't plan it, but you can prepare for it. And so we have to be prepared for the amazing things that happen. This is all about preparation. You see, there is no formula to getting God to do amazing things. These, these steps, these are not steps that, okay, well, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this, and then boom, all of a sudden God's going to do amazing things. That's not the way that it works. This is all about preparation. This is all about preparing for God to do amazing things. Are you preparing for it? What breakthrough are you waiting to ha- see happen? It's never going to look like the right time. It's never going to look like the right time. When Israel stepped into the Jordan, it didn't look like the right time for God to do something amazing. <laughs> but he did. Let me read this last verse of, of chapter 3, <clears throat> verse 17. It says this, Now, the priest bearing the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood firmly on dry ground, love that, on dry ground, in the midst, meaning in the middle of the Jordan, and all Israel was passing over the dry ground until all the nation finished passing over the Jordan. I love this picture in my head because in my head it says that the priests, they're holding the Ark of the Covenant, and they're standing on dry ground, and the Ark of the Covenant is sitting there while the entire nation of Israel passes by the Ark of the Covenant. It's kind of like God saying, hey, 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 don't forget who did this. Don't forget, right here, as you pass by, you're walking across dry ground. You're in the middle of a miracle. Don't forget who did it as they pass by the Ark of the Covenant. 
as it went before them, as they passed by, he stopped. He's like saying, I'm right here beside you. I'm right here beside you. You see, God, he, he goes before us, and he stands beside us, and he comes up behind us. He is with us. That's what he told Joshua in chapter 1. He says, I'm going to be with you. And this is just a reminder that I'm right here in the middle of all of this with you. My, um, my daughter, she, uh, we, we go to the, like, you know, to water park sometimes, and you know, they have the wave, wave pools at the water park, right? And I don't know if you've ever been, like, you know, as it, it kind of slopes down a little bit and gets a little deeper and deeper and deeper. Well, like, when the waves aren't, you know, going, like, you can walk, like, all the way, like, to the wall thing, right, where the waves are starting to come out and that kind of thing, but when the waves aren't going. But then when the waves come, like, you better grab hold of something because it's getting a little hairy out there, right? And, um, and so my daughter, like, she's, like, she's completely and totally and absolutely brave when there are no waves, right? She'll walk out in the water, and she'll get out there, and she'll play, and she'll splash around, you know, and everything like that, and, and it's not a big deal. But then when these huge waves start coming, she literally climbs up me, right? And, like, is, like, on my shoulders at this, you know, like, you know, trying to, to get away from these waves because she knows, she knows that, that these waves are just going to, they're going to swallow her. Like, they're just going to, they're going to swallow her and she's not going to be able to swim. She's not going to be able to get anywhere. She's not going to be able to do anything. And so uh, when the waves come, like, I just, I, I will, I'll, I'll pick her up and as the wave gets a little closer, we play this little game, you know, where the wave gets a little closer and I pick her up and the wave goes underneath her and, you know, like maybe splash her feet in the wave or, you know, something like that. And so, you know, the waves are coming and I'm picking her up and the waves are going past her and she does you know the waves don't bother her that's really i mean that's that's what god is doing here with the nation of israel he's saying you're going to be in the water and it's going to look and feel a little hairy at times and it's going to be a little rough at times but i got you i got you i got this i created those waves i can do this i can push back that water you know why i can push back that water because I made it. It listens to me. Like, I tell it what to do. I've got this. And so if you feel stuck, you feel like you're in the middle, or you feel like you've just been wandering around for 40 years, stuck in the middle of nothing, and nothing is changing, you just need, you need a breakthrough. And maybe it's a spiritual breakthrough that you need. Maybe it's more of his presence. Maybe it's more of, of him. We all could use that at the very least, absolutely for sure. Maybe you feel stuck in you know, your, your marriage or a career or, or just a life situation and you're stuck right there. This is the anatomy of a breakthrough. We start with just chasing after his presence. Like we've got to consume ourselves with his presence. We dive into his word. We, get, we start there first. And then we take these moments of, of stepping out. There has to be this action step. There has to be a moment where you step out. Even when you don't know what the outcome is going to be, you and I, we have to take these moments of faith of where we step out. And as we step out, as we go, we expect God to do something miraculous. And again, that miraculous thing that God does, it may not be what you plan. But it will be miraculous. Because he is God. I can promise you that. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your word this morning. God, we thank you for 
the courage that it gives us and God, how it fills our, fills our hearts and our minds with, God, these, these feelings and images, God, of, of you doing amazing things. But God, let's not, let's not skip the step of, of taking action ourselves, of that thing or those things that, that we need to do. God, to, to come after you, to follow you. God, maybe it's reserving ourselves to say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop trying to do this my way, and, I, and God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to submit myself to your ways. I'm going to say, your will be no, done, not my will be done. God, maybe it's, maybe it's having the, uh, the faith to, to take a step that we know that we need to take, a step that, that, God, you've called us to, that you have asked us over and over and over and over again to do, God, but we are so scared that the waters are going to drown us. God, would you just give us an abundant amount of courage to take that next step? God, and create for us and show us the way. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Hey, would you stand to your feet as we sing, as we worship uh, for these last few moments together. We invite you to come and take communion with us. Maybe you need to continue to pray and, and to process and to think through what your next step is or that f- extra faith that you're asking God for. Sherry is right over here as one of our prayer partners this morning. If you'd like to talk with her or pray with her, she'd love to do that. I'll be available down here as well. We invite you to come and take communion with us together. To take that moment to, to just pray and and solidify what it is that you're requesting of God, whether it be more faith, more courage to be obedient, or more ways to expect the breakthrough that you're asking Him to do.